Welcome to the very first episode of Last Weekly, where we talk, laugh, and sometimes bitch about the highs and lows of the past week. I'm Kevin Williams, and I am lucky enough to be recapping the week with two incredible co-hosts who are going to introduce themselves. Let's start ladies first. Thank you so much, Kevin. Hello, everybody. I am Sherry Nova, a kindness and oneness advocate, writer, voiceover artist, and aspiring Doctor Who companion. <laughs> wow. Mm-hmm. So All right. I have one more co-host. Who's name Tone? Tell him about you, Tone. Hey, everybody. It's Anthony Tone Show Nunez, but you can call me Tone Show. If it's about pop, science fiction, or horror, I'm your man. All right. I did not know we were going to do bios, but anyway, <laughs> like I said before, my name is Kevin Williams, and I also am a podcaster, and I co-host another podcast known as TV Channeling with my incredible co-hostess, Tachi. Shout out. All right. So let's go, talk, go over this week. So, Sherry, what was going on in the news this week? There was a lot. Absolutely. So on Monday, on Good Morning Britain, Piers Morgan fed Thomas Markle, the father of the newest royal, Meghan Markle, the term ghosting to describe his daughter's estrangement from him since she got married to the prince. So do you guys think that Meghan should have ghosted her father and is ghosting ever the right thing to do? All right. Well, I guess I'll jump in first. First of all, yeah, I have a huge problem with Piers Morgan. The guy is so despicable. He seems to jump in on all these things, and um, uh, and he's always on the wrong side. He came <laughs> out a few uh, uh, weeks ago against men having their babies strapped to them because he felt like that was emasculating mm-hmm. because he saw the actor who played uh, the most the current James Bond. What's the current James Bond's name, Tone? Daniel Craig. Daniel Craig. He had a problem with Daniel Craig walking around with his baby strapped to him because it emasculated James Bond to be caring for his child. I mean, this guy is a dirtbag in the highest order. So now he's upset because he feels like Meghan Markle not only ghosted her dad, but ghosted him because they shared a couple of texts back in the day and he hasn't heard from her since she uh started became a royal yeah since she became a royal so why would she be contacting him anyway um i definitely understand why she's ghosting her father because her father uh was paid to be in different tabloids staging really stupid photos where he's like at a internet cafe and he's like posed looking at books on royal etiquette uh so that kind of thing not to mention the bad mouthing he's done uh not only against her publicly as well as her now husband so as far as in not having contact with him i totally get it what do you think tone well they, they say that the the photos that her father took um that she he was actually setting them up with the paparazzi to take those pictures and then her sister, who's um, they seem to be estranged from each other. Her sister as well, Meghan Markle's sister. So um, seems like she's also been having like a, an argument with her, but a one-sided argument, which only her and her father have a say. And it's been all over the media. So at this point, I feel like the best thing that she can do is separate herself from her family, um, in order not to bring that. I, I, I was called just trash. 
than to the royal family. Um, but I don't. Obviously, it's, this is a very different situation than you know Bob and you know his, his daughter Jill. This is um this is this is definitely the royal family. So I definitely think that it's easier for someone to say, "Hey, that's this wrong." But I I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of things that the average person still doesn't know what's happening behind the scenes. And what we're seeing is basically just basically um a little bit of light and um and uh, smoke. Oh, I I totally agree. What do you think, Sherry? I. I obviously agree with everything you guys said, and I would like to confirm that, yes, there is such a thing as a right time to ghost someone, and I speak as someone who has used dating apps in the past. Ghosting is required for some people. Some people are just too weird, too out there, too creepy, and (laughs) ghosting is required. Yes. Well, okay, if if a person is worthy of ghosting, aren't they worthy of just saying, you know what, this isn't for me, you know, but good luck in your future endeavors. I mean, the idea of ghosting is is leaving without saying or doing anything. And so why can't you just say, like, you know what, um, I enjoyed our date, but I don't think that we're right for each other, but, you know, take care. Have you ever been so creeped out that you just kind of want to, like, turn into a ghost and, like, actually disappear? <sighs> yourself because some people kind of make you feel that way well i can see that but to me the problem with that is if that somebody's that creepy wouldn't it wouldn't they be more offended and weirded out and be more apt to stalk you if you don't at least give them a chance to be like to say f you when you say that you know what you're great but not for me i think it's better just to say i feel like that's a more grown-up thing to do to actually say you know you know um i'm not interested but thanks and bye. You may have a point there, but I still think that some people people are so creepy and just it's it's a no, it's just a go. Well, I also think definitely... um go ahead. I, I'm sorry. I also think uh, that there's a special element here. This is a very broad s- subject, but let's say just in the case of dating, I feel like women uh, in particular like have uh have have um face more challenges as far as <laughs> creepy there's a lot of creepy guys out there and um i think it's sometimes it's just a matter of safety maybe where a woman maybe has to disappear especially on on the internet maybe change your name because how many times have we met someone who has a fake name on their facebook account because they're they're hiding from some guy or something that's following them mm. oh well, yeah i i totally agree with when it comes to if, if you're in any kind of danger okay obviously if there's danger, Will Robinson, then yes, uh, permission from Kevin to ghost. But I'm just saying, in a non, uh, uh, you know, lifetime movie situation where you're being hunted, <laughs> is, is is can't we just say, you know what, this is working out in, in a friendship setting? You know what, I just I, we've gone, we've grown apart, we've gone different different directions. But you know, it was, it was great knowing you and take care, as opposed to just like radio silence. I feel like I'd like an ending to you know something, and then can move on. I feel like it, it's the grown up thing to do. But enough about the the Markles and uh, Megan. And again, it was Megan's sister who apparently set up the dad with that uh, with mm-hmm. the paparazzi, but still not cool. Not cool. All right, Sherry, what else was going on on Monday? Okay, so on Monday, a radio station in Kentucky played Baby It's Cold Outside for two straight hours on repeat in response to an Ohio radio station's decision to remove the 1940s classic from its lineup. 
This happened after listeners expressed concerns over the lyrics that have a man trying to convince a woman not to leave his home as open as she openly decides whether she wants to stay. So what do you guys think of the song? And in this Me Too error, you know, the controversy surrounding it. Well, I'll go first, Kevin, this time. Sure. <laughs> uh, I think we're living in uh, I think we're living in a time where everyone is much more hypersensitive and this is the same generation we're living in that went back and i'm not i'm not in no way comparing all these um statues of people who've done questionable things throughout history but we're removing these statues as we speak and it's it's, it's definitely brought a lot of pro protests and i think that i'm not surprised at all that now we're starting to look at media and we're looking at it with 2018 eyes and we're going to see a lot of things that um we're going to say are questionable today but they were perfectly fine I, for example, was looking at pictures of movies um, for, for today's show, um, different posters, and I noticed that there is so much more cleavage and guys just shocked at cleavage in the posters of before, and you don't see that today, so I'm not surprised at all by this. Well, let's for people who I don't know what rock you've been under, but in case you have been, let's go over some of the lyrics. Um, I really can't stay. Uh, is what the female in the song is saying. And then the guy goes, but uh, but baby, it's cold outside. I've got to go away, but baby, it's cold outside. This evening has been uh, so very nice. And let's get, well, you know what? Let's just cut to right to the date rapey part. Uh, <laughs> at one point, uh, she, she says, hey, what's in this drink? And um, and so she's she's concerned in the song about her uh, her parents, what they'll think, what the neighbors are going to say. And for me, the song is all about her saying no and this guy overriding her no. So I can understand why people have a problem with the song. The funny thing is, I always thought the song was creepy and date rapey. Speaking of uh, yeah, now, now, if she ghosted this guy, I would totally understand. That's what I was going to say. Some people have a hard time with no, and sometimes you kind of get that vibe from them. So just don't even bother. Continue. Yeah. So, so to me, the the, the lyrics of the song were always creepy. As far as the the controversy with the station, the original radio station actually took a poll of uh, its listeners uh, when um, some people called in voicing concerns about the lyrics of the song. Um, in you know in in the in the light of today i mean something that that was written you know in the 40s and how we might look at it today are two different things and i i remember having a discussion with the people on on uh online about this about the idea that what's in this drink line was were we talking roofies and roofies weren't invented yet kind of thing that being the argument i didn't think he was roofing roofing her but i did think that he was giving her some very strong alcohol to try and turn that no into a yes and also to me that's what's important about the song is what what this guy the the characters in the song have very different uh amount of skin in the game the idea is if she sleeps with him in like 1940s, his friends are high-fiving uh, high him over it, even though the high-five, they're, I guess they're low-fiving. Anyway, we're, <laughs> they, they hadn't high-fived yet, but they were low-fiving going, yeah. And then basically uh, when she's pregnant and um, he doesn't know her name and, and she's an unwed mother in the 1940s and this is pre-Ruth Bader Ginsburg so there's like no there's no uh, there's no woman's right to choose you you choose to have a baby that you don't want to have yeah it's a different time so the idea of 
I've heard people argue that, well, she kind of maybe wants to stay and she wants to be talked into staying. They have very different skin in the game. And um, it makes sense to me that she needs to get the hell out of there because, yeah, people will talk. You won't be able to get married to a good guy because now you're, you're the town pump. So, yeah, it's a very upsetting song. Absolutely. Um, I have never listened to the lyrics, but listening to your explanation, I could see that um, he's not accepting her no, uh, which is always annoying. And wow, what's in this drink? I mean, I get the time period that this song came out, things like that were more acceptable. But as Tone said, from 2018 perspective, it is out of line. Absolutely. So let's, I guess we're moving on to the next story. Yeah. Okay. So um, this is a Monday story, but I have to start with what happened last Thursday. So last Thursday, Sir Richard Branson, the CEO of Virgin Mobile Virgin Airways, successfully reached the edge of space with his Spaceship Two aircraft. This brings him one step closer to his dream of carrying tourists into space. On Monday, Australian astronaut Andy Thomas criticized Virgin Galactic spaceflight as a dangerous, dead-end tech. This is his quote. It's true that he will fly to the edge of space, but he can't stay there. He falls right back down. It's really just a high-altitude airplane flight and a dangerous one at that. So the question is, what do you guys think about space tourism? Yeah. Tone? Well, I, was, no, I thought there was going to be more to the story. Um, well, th- th- this is Richard Branson we're talking about, right? And he's basically made a career out of doing these, I would call, death-defying or even um, adventurous, adventurous things. So I, I think space tourism is definitely going to be the next frontier. And um, if he doesn't do it, I'm sure Elon Musk is going to do it at one point with his SpaceX. Uh, but this, this is, I think, something for billionaires to enjoy, maybe multimillionaires. I really don't see it anywhere in the next 50 years where someone, you know, of uh, an average person, an average Joe is going to travel to space. He's still going to the Caribbean. <laughs> <laughs> the funny thing is, I feel the exact same way, Tone. I mean, it's, 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 it's the price of it's going to be so much for so long that it's not going to be anything that other other than billionaires and and uh, trillionaires and maybe multimillionaires or somebody who wins some kind of contest. So if there is a last weekly raffle or something like that and, and one of the, and the winner gets to go up into space, <laughs> and that's great. But odds are, unless we're being sponsored, which we're open to it, we're totally open to it, we're not going to be going into space anytime soon. What about you, Sherry? Well, one of Richard Branson's plans is to make it something that's not so lavish. So he wants to bring the to be able to bring the price down on it at some point in time so that the average person can explore space if they want to. And considering his track record, I believe he can do it, hopefully before we die, before the next 50 years. <laughs> I think it is a I love anything to do with space. I love that he and Elon Musk are creating this outside of the government as it shows us exactly what is possible when you put your mind to it and i i I mean i don't want to go i I mean i don't want to go but i freaking love it and love that other people are going to do it wow well yeah first of all (laughs) um the idea of going to space 
I mean, I can't see myself ever agreeing to go into space until we have like, you know, Star Trek technology. Exactly. Where I, where I can be walking around and like um, hanging out with Uhura, having drinks um, on the holodeck <laughs> and stuff. Unless we can do that. If, if I have to be strapped in old school astronaut style and, no. <laughs> and deal with all those G, the G forces and stuff like that. No. no. Yeah, no. Mm. Yeah, I want it when they've worked out like all the bugs and it's just a routine system that is taking you and bringing you back. That's when I want to go. Yeah, I'd, I'd rather do VR. Where it's the, with VR, we can have snacks. <laughs> there's, uh, there's, no, there's no danger of motion sickness. So, yeah, I'm for VR. Me too. Okay, so on Tuesday, um, the Instagram star known as the Backpack Kid whose real name is Russell Horning, for anyone who didn't know that, including myself. He, myself. Is, <laughs> he is suing the owners of the games Fortnite and NBA 2K for stealing his signature dance, The Floss. And the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air's Alfonso Ribeiro is also lawyering up and suing both games for his move, The Carlton Dance. What do you guys think? Wow. Now... I, I, I was I was fascinated when I hear when I heard about suing about particular dance moves because um, in in hip hop um, when in its early beginning it was, it was so sample sample heavy and there were a lot of lawsuits because um, the the original musicians were su- suing the artist saying hey you sampled my song and you didn't ask for permission or oh I didn't get a percentage or royalties etc cetera, etc cetera. Um, so I always wondered um, in my days of music. Why weren't dance moves, uh, people suing over dance moves? So I looked into it. Dance moves are very, very hard to copyright. So um, I would be very interested to see where this goes in the course because I've never heard of a lawsuit uh, pertaining to a dance move. Yeah, I absolutely agree, Tone. I've always heard the same thing, that you can't copyright a physical movement uh, versus a song is a completely different thing. Because when it comes to all the sampling stuff, they were actually taking a part of someone else's work mm-hmm. and making money off of it. So that was very easy to see. But the idea that someone, a choreographer, and uh, that's another thing. When, you comes, when it comes to these dances, the one who really has zero case if if I have to bet on either of these two uh, uh, litigants, I would have to give it to Backpack Kid because Rafonso Rivera got busted the other day by TMZ. Put out a clip of him being interviewed. That's another. That's another thing. I'm warning you guys right now. When if you're at the airport or anywhere else and a TMZ camera puts a microphone in your face, <laughs> you have no comment because it will come back to haunt you. Um, so they showed a clip of where they asked uh, Rafonso uh, Rivera about the, the history of the Carlton dance. And he says in this clip that's online for anybody to see that um, he actually stole it himself. It's a, a combination of Courtney Cox's dance uh, in the uh, video that she did with um, – with uh, Bruce Springsteen uh, dancing in the dark, and uh, and it's an amalgamation of that and uh, Eddie Murphy uh, uh, during his Raw tour uh, movie where he's making fun of how white people dance. So it's a combination <laughs> of those two things. So if anybody, if Fortnite has to pay anybody, he better write. They better write a check to uh, to Eddie Murphy and Courtney Cox. So not that either of them need a check. <laughs> So my money's on Backpack Kid to get some kind of money out of this. But I honestly, I don't think that either of them are, are going to get any money out of it. 
I also think the the consequences of whatever if the, if if the, this lawsuit does go through and there is some type of uh, of money paid, it would open the door to God knows how many lawsuits in the oh future. Oh my God, the courts would be overloaded. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I get everything that you guys are saying. However, I do feel like the backpack kid is owed something because I do think that he's the one who made it as famous as it is and they just stole it and didn't bring him on board in any capacity. Yeah, so I feel owed. like he is owed something. I don't know what that is. And you know what? A free copy of Fortnite. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, they know that they are riding on his success with that dance and mm-hmm. i don't know what that looks like but i feel like he is owed something well the crazy thing about look can we just be a little bit real about backpack hit and i i i have no ill feelings toward backpack hit i'm happy for him he has like i don't know how many hundreds of thousands of uh, subscribers on instagram i mean it's insane but again he's famous for doing one dance while wearing a backpack i mean is is there like a floss two yet or floss remake? I mean, just I mean, really? So that's that's all the more reason why he should be paid <laughs> in some way. That is his signature. That is his everything, and well, they took what, it. What, what he should do is have his own line of backpacks. I mean, you're known as Backpack Kid. Instead of instead of wasting your time suing Fortnite, you need to get some kind of deal with Target for your own line of backpacks. This is true. This is true. Yeah, All be, right. I can't believe this is our first episode of Last Weekly, and we're already saving kids' futures. We are. We are. So what's the so- next story? Also on Tuesday, uh, clothing retailer Forever 21 removed images from its website um, of a white model sporting a Black Panther Wakanda Forever sweater following strong reactions from fans and claims of cultural appropriation on social media. We know Wakanda is forever, but is it for everyone? Now, this is a story that when I read it, um, I was really surprised because I didn't think that there was any um, racial aspect to, to comic to, to, to the comic to the comic book element of this. This is like, for example, how many of us have worn a Spider-Man T-shirt or a, or a Punisher T-shirt? It, it, it's no uh, race, sex, or creed to comic books. They're for everyone. And if we start doing this, then everybody's gonna walk around and say, "Hey, most of the superheroes we grew up with were white." Um, that's just the that's just a matter of fact, and no one's ever called anyone of color wearing a, a Spider Man or Superman shirt. Hey, that's not for you. That's for you know. That's for white folks. I don't think the same could, could apply to Wakanda. I really think I really think we should celebrate Black Panther, and everybody should be able to celebrate Black Panther. But, and but in this particular case, that I think that's a separate a separate argument. I really think that they were just going for for um what do you call it for attention because they probably knew this was going to stir some questions, and the internet loves to poke. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, this is this to me, honestly, I I couldn't agree with you more. I actually think that this is the dream. This is a, this is a. I was gonna say Martin Luther King. I think his, he was dreaming bigger than Forever Twenty One, but <laughs> the idea that you know so many kids of color grew up having only role models that didn't look like them mm-hmm. that little girls grew up having only wonder woman to look at as far as superheroes and so the idea that if you have like uh, a white kid who's looking up at black panther and wanting to dress like him and be like him i feel like this is the this is what we're hoping for as a society 
that um, is just and fair for everyone and, and everybody can be what they want to be. So I have zero problems. In fact, my real problem is with Forever 21 backing down. They released some kind of apology for it and yanked mm-hmm. that, that kid's picture down immediately. And I actually have more of a problem with them taking the picture down than uh, I have zero problem with them putting the picture up. I mean, could pop, could it possibly be because the kid, they did find the whitest, blondest. <laughs> yes. Blondest, my, I mean, he was basically Hitler's wet dream. So oh I, my God. I honestly, I, <laughs> I don't know. They could have at least had like a, a, a black girl standing next to him wearing the sweater too, but I don't know. Um, Kevin, I was going to make that same point, and it was going to sound funny coming out of my mouth, but while I, upon hearing the story, I thought, you know, what's the big deal? I don't care, but when I actually saw the ad, I was shocked by how very white this, this model was. Like, I mean, oh my god. God, I think they definitely did that on purpose. No, just like the black kid, the black pack kid, the backpack kid needs to uh, needs to be selling backpacks. That that kid needs to be selling sunblock because his skin is pristine. Okay, so they could have gone for a model with more of an urban look. Uh, uh, if they were going to go with a Caucasian model, they could have chosen someone who has a, maybe a little more ruggedness to them, maybe a little bit of stubble on the face. But I don't know. They went with like this guy who looks like he's like the missing vampire from that very popular vampire movie that we will not name. Uh, I was kind of taken aback by how. Oh, he I, was. I was I was getting a total flowers in the attic vibe, but that's another that's another thing. <laughs> but um, but but to me, it was they could even use the kid they used. Maybe if they had just used you know another person of color standing next to him, also wearing the sweater, uh, then it would have been. I think no one would have said anything. Or but that that's that's wrong. People These are the same people, Kevin. Absolutely anything every Correct. time they get a chance. Exactly the people who complain about that that sure are the same people who complain about baby it's cold outside. Uh, but that, that's justified. Now, I'm, I wouldn't boycott a station that was going to play it, but I do think, how can you not get a date rapey vibe from that song? I'm sorry. But okay. right. let's go on to the next story. Okay, so also Tuesday, there was a huge loss in the world of entertainment this week with the death of half of the classic sitcom Laverne and Shirley, the trailblazing director of Big... A League of Their Own, and Awakenings, to name a few, Penny Marshall. Now, this this story in particular, um, it, it's funny, like, these people, like, Penny Marshall, for example, like, this is a person I grew, I grew I'm, a, I'm, an, I'm a 79 baby, so I grew up in the 80s and the 90s, and I was really shaped, just, just like so many, so many folks out there, by, by the movies and the music that I listened to in the 80s and the 90s, and I feel like Penny Marshall um, she owns part of the soundtrack to my to my movie, uh, Young Adulthood. And Big, for example, is a movie that anyone who's ever gone to a toy store, and and, and for, sorry, millennials, I know you guys don't know what toy stores are, like, they're closing left and right. There would be a big piano in F.A.O. Schwartz or Toys R Us, and there would be kids just lined up to jump on this piano because they wanted to be like Tom Hanks in Big. And, and not only... Um, the, the the cultural value that, that she brought to us uh, via her films. But Penny Marshall was also a trailblazer when it came to uh, film, TV, and she was also executive producing a lot of things. And she's the first lady, uh, when I was looking this up, the first female director who actually broke $100 million on a film. 
which, which was big, which is a smash at the time. And we're talking back in 1992, guys. Oh, absolutely. Um, I, I love Penny Marshall. I loved uh, Laverne and Shirley. Um, who can who who cannot remember the incredibly unless you weren't alive, the incredible uh, opening sequence to Laverne and Shirley and that song we're gonna make it or we're gonna do it, that was super. Um, I loved Big. That was an incredible movie and the idea that a woman was behind it and that the the barriers that she broke down by the success of that film were amazing and so many films that she directed i didn't even know she directed i didn't even know that she directed awakening um and i had seen the movie years ago so she she did so many things and does anybody remember how at one point she did a series of commercials for kmart Mm -hmm. with uh rosie o'donnell those commercials were hysterical as if either one of them would be caught dead in a kmart (laughs) but they were they were cashing those checks and they, and they were doing commercials. And I remember hearing her tell a story about, uh, I heard, but I heard Rosa Donald, Donald telling a story about how they flew both of them in a private jet to somewhere in Atlanta to film the commercials. And they were just there all day. They shot like about, you know, 30 commercials in one day. And she, and so they actually filmed, it was an actual store. They closed the store just to film these commercials. And Penny Marshall loaded up her, but she's like, she's like, give me 10 of those microwaves. She just walked (laughs) out with like the store and they gave it to her because of why? Because she was Laverne and she could take whatever she wanted to. And just that kind of girl next door, thing she had that vibe no matter how successful she was she was like the girl next door forever a huge sports fan an incredible woman and speaking of sports um a league of their own when it it was released in theaters it actually went against batman returns and batman returns when it came out at the point was the highest grossing film in 1992 i'm talking about batman returns was a juggernaut earned like over 45 million dollars in his first week I was looking up the actual numbers, and a league of their own. It actually ended with 130 million after um after competing with Batman Returns, which is at the point it's basically one of the first movies that show people, hey, comic book movies can really make money after the original Batman. So a league of their own, as far as a just cultural fair, like it just introduced a lot of people to sports and a lot of young women to sports, and it just really celebrated young women. And at the time, it was like the all star cast of the time of ladies in this movie. So Penny Marshall, like she did it. Salute. Oh, my God. Yeah, the movie had Gina Davis in it. It had uh, Rosie O'Donnell. It had Tom Hanks. And it had Madonna giving easily her best performance uh, in a film ever was in A League of Their Own. That's amazing. And I represent uh, the millennials who um, are not very familiar with her work and may not know who she is. But according to you guys, she was very <laughs> important and amazing. <laughs> uh, yeah. We represent every, yes, TV. Uh, I almost said TV channel. That's another show I'm on. Um, <laughs> last Weekly, we have a very diverse group here on Last Weekly. And yeah, shockingly, some of us had zero idea who the hell Penny Marshall was. Uh, <laughs> let's go on to a story that all of us might actually know something about. No. <laughs> all right. So uh, Wednesday, um, we're, we're now into Wednesday. Something I want to mention before we uh, go any further is I would like to talk about the shocking number of children that are currently being detained by our federal government 
um, at the border with Mexico. Uh, currently, there are 14,000 migrant children in detention centers and other forms of shelter. 5,400 are in shelters with over 1,000 other children. So they are like herds of animals. Um, 9,800 are in facilities with 100 other children. They, this, is, this is happening. No, that's so disturbing. And this whole detaining uh, of these people, when that policy, when the policy changed, which clearly was designed to be a deterrent to actually separate this family separation policy that uh, this administration is doing, is is so upsetting. It's so dehumanizing. And the idea that they will not let the media give them free access to these facilities to see these children, look at the conditions that they're living in, tells you all you need to know. Because if everything's, if the children are being treated correctly and everything's being done uh, above board, then there should be, these facilities should be completely open and people should be able to see what's going on. All the secrecy tells me that they're not doing the right thing by not even close. Yeah. So the story, um, hearing those numbers, it, it can just become very, you can become very unattached because every single one of those numbers is a human being. Uh, I used to, um, when, I, when I heard um, that our country at one point actually had these internment camps, like where they took Japanese Americans um, and just separately separated them from the general populace because of the, the whole thing, the whole, um, the whole world we were, we were in contact with Japan. Um, I used to think, like, how did people live through that and allow that? Like, how did that actually happen? How did we take uh, Americans and put them and put in these camps and just hold them there? And this is happening today. I think this is one of those things that's going to be a huge black eye just on our, our, our own, um, the American conscious. And as they're moving forward, like 20, 30, 40 years down the line, they're going to look back and say, how did those people in 2018 allow that to happen? Like, we, we have to do better than that. Oh, I think you're absolutely right. This is going to look so bad. In, 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 it already looks bad now, but in, the his, in history, it's going to look even worse that we allowed this to happen and that we did not break down those walls and get the media in there to, to give us a video of what's actually happening. Yeah, it's, it makes me feel so sad. All right, sadly, let's, but let's, we have to go on to the next story. Yes, let's move on. We are now on to trailer talk. Next time, let's do trailer talk before so, uh, terribly sad story like this. <laughs> this. This is, I don't know, it just killed. I, I'm just such a mood killer. Seriously. Trailer talk. Wait a minute. Wasn't oh. that introduction to trailer talk? Yes. Kevin. I, oh, I thought that you were going to read it, but fine. Let me let me read the introduction to Trailer Talk. And I, to, I didn't know. I, this I is can, our test show for those of you just tuning in. I can do it. Okay. Right. On Wednesday, the first official trailer for the new Hellboy reboot dropped, and that gave us all the excuse we needed to add a segment to the show called Trailer, trailer Talk. Talk. So, Tone, what's this week's movie trailer news? Okay, so we had we had we had a great introduction, by the way. I like that. You wrote it. (laughs) (laughs) So humble, Kevin. So we had um, (laughs) two great trailers um, debut this week, Um, and there was there was a lot of talk. The first one was 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 the reboot to Hellboy. So um, as a lot of you may know or may not know, there were two Hellboy movies, um, Helm by Guillermo. I directed a movie where a woman sleeps with a fish man and still got an Oscar del Toro. 
And these <laughs> and these these movies by Guillermo um, were were helmed uh, as far as uh, the lead role was played by Ron Perlman. Ron Perlman did an awesome job as Hellboy. He's the Hellboy that we all know as far as our cultural conscious. And now Guillermo del Toro said that he would not be returning for a third Hellboy movie. So obviously they went they went on they went on a search they found a new director. And this new director, um, they, they want to approach the actual creator, who is Mike Mignola for Hellboy. And his whole take is, the director's name, by the way, is Neil Marshall. Neil Marshall, uh, a lot of horror heads might know him because he's the, uh, he's the director behind The Descent. If you've never seen The Descent, you're doing yourself a huge disservice. If you're scared of tight spaces, it's not for you. Um, so, oh, and uh, also, if you're scared of people being eaten, it's not for you. For you. <laughs> so, spoilers. Oh, if you're scared of tight spaces. <laughs> yeah, the, tight spaces. That's, if you're cool with that, but you're about tight spaces. <laughs> so, it's definitely, a, uh, he definitely um, got his chops in horror, and now he's he's the one helming this uh, new Hellboy reboot. The reboot itself, um, I'm sorry, the trailer for the reboot itself had a lot of people talking because a lot of people didn't know what to expect since the Guillermo movies were so Guillermo del Toro. Guillermo del Toro is a director, uh, for those of you who don't know that. He has a great creative and design mind. Um, he's like Tim Burton in the sense that he really owns his whole film. Everything has to go by his own tune. And his movies had a lot of um, Guillermo del Toro in them as far as the design and the look and it's the feel. While this new director is going much more classic Hellboy comic book. So we had a, a trailer which had a lot of... Um, moving parts, which were like comedy. Uh, some people were saying it reminded them of Deadpool. Really, a lot of humor, and that took some of the fans back. Um, what did you think, um, Kevin and um, Jerry? Well, I thought it was, the, the trailer was gorgeous looking, and so just to make one thing clear, is the original actor who played the original Hellboy in uh, the first two movies, is he in this movie as well, or is it a different actor? Uh, no, Ron Perlman, who who a lot of people know, um, works very close with Guillermo del Toro. He's been in a lot of Guillermo's movies. I uh, will not be uh, returning for this movie. We're actually okay, in- that's I'm That's sorry. why I was confused because the the actor in this the the Hellboy makeup looks it looks it looks like the exact same actor playing. Spot on. I couldn't. That's why I was so confused. I'm like, wait a minute, is he in this in this new newest version? Um, I saw the first Hellboy, but I don't think I saw the sequel. And um, the trailer did make me want to see it, so I think it got it did the job. It got it's it's, it's gonna get probably get some money from me. What what did you think, Sherry? So I've never really gotten into this series. I watched um, the first one, didn't get it, didn't care, and I don't really care about the trailer. <laughs> wow. Well, well, let me let me just entice you a little. If if you spot Stranger Things, this, the person under the makeup of Hellboy is David Harbour, the guy who played the sheriff, the cop. Oh wow! And he's oh a great God. actor. No, that really shows how incredible that makeup is. It's amazing. Wow. So just for just for him alone, I'm, I'm I'm willing to give it a shot because I've never seen something with David Harbour that I'm like I just hate this. It hasn't happened. Well, well I, I, I still of Stranger Things, but uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> well, I still have to say I'm I I am the one person out here boycotting the fact that it's been decades now. When will Hellboy become a Hellman? Something's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> He's taking the same hormone suppressors that boys and men are taking because are they not to men yet? <laughs> now, now, Kevin's been holding that joke, folks, for over a week. So, so let him have it. And, uh, 
the other trailer that we're, we're going to talk about is um, MIB International, which is the new Men in Black movie, which is not for Will Smith. Wow. Now we're talking. Um, Chris Hemsworth has that effect on the ladies, I've heard. Nope, it's not him. Okay, so Tessa Thompson has that effect on the ladies, too. Oh, yes. And the men. So, yeah, she has an effect on a lot of us. So the as far as the trailer, um, this 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 was this is a new trailer released called uh, It Might Be International. A lot of people are calling it online Thor Ragnarok two because basically they took the two stars of Thor Ragnarok, Chris Hemsworth and Tessa Thompson, and threw them in this vehicle for Men in Black. And and you know what? I personally thought that the the, the trailer itself looked like a lot of things we've seen before. It was, it was a very stereotypical uh, female agent who who's very capable picking up for the Mel Gibson type of agent who's basically who's just reckless and lazy. Uh, but I, I love Tessa Thompson, and I really enjoy Chris Hemsworth, especially e- even in Ghostbusters. Don't hate me, folks. I thought he was the, the saving grace of Ghostbusters. Yeah, that, that's one thing I was going to say. Chris Hemsworth, how many blockbusters does one man need to be a part of? Apparently everything. Every but day. I will say that that even, even Chris Hemsworth, even those abs could not save the female-driven Ghostbusters. You would think that they would have gone <laughs> just to see that. But apparently, you know what? I think the problem was his shirt was on throughout the whole film. I think that's what held it back. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so, so, but Tessa Thompson, anybody who's also a fan of of uh, HBO's Westworld knows her, yes. loves her. Mm-hmm. So uh, anything that she's in, I'm excited about. And one thing that's revealed in the trailer is she is normally men in black are recruited she basically goes out there and makes it happen for herself. She believes they're out there, and she goes searching, and she finds out uh, uh, that the men in black actually exist, and she basically says, hey, sign me up. I got the outfit already, and she gets signed up. It's Kevin. That goes exactly what I was saying. In the other men in, the other men in black films, for example, Will Smith was recruited, and in this case, we have a woman. She had to do double the work. She had to go find the men in black herself. <laughs> Come on. Come on. <laughs> Working overboard. Hashtag me too. That is not cool. But also, I got to mention a couple of cast members. Liam Neeson is in this as well. I did see that. I am so excited to uh, to, uh, to have both of them. And also to see Emma Thompson. You know that the men in black don't all have penises. So it's cool to see that. (laughs) Yeah, I am super, super, super pumped about this movie. I was in within five seconds. Um... But I continue to watch it, and, like, I just want them to take my money. I am so excited to see um, the female agent. I'm excited to see how everyone works together. I want to see the special effects. I want to see the new creatures. I want to see everything. Oh, it's going to be so much fun. So, oh, also, Tone, wasn't there a little bit more movie news that is not trailer-related, but close? Well, well, speaking of fun, and and the original Men in Black, Will Smith, um, the, the, there were a couple of pictures released for the upcoming um, Disney movie, Aladdin. Kevin? Oh. Live action uh, Aladdin. Correct. Live action Aladdin. And the, 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 the thing that was really having the internet a buzz was the fact that Will Smith uh, was uh, not his typical blue that we expected him to be. Yeah, so the the problem the people people were really upset because they they uh, wanted what I can't even remember what his name is. What is the genie's name? Is he just genie? I thought the genie was just called genie. 
Yeah, okay, Genie. So he was the, the that Robin Williams uh, portrayal of Genie, the animated version of Genie was like you know uh, was like turquoise. So what is up with uh, the with the first shots of uh, the three main characters, the actress who's playing Jasmine and the actor playing uh, Aladdin and Will Smith? And Will Smith, even though his head is shaved, he's got that little teeny weeny ponytail going on. Uh, you know what? Ponytails on men seem to be never. He's he's proving he is the exception. He's and proving the rule that men in ponytails just just do not work. So um, anyway, <laughs> so but people were not people weren't concerned about the ponytail and the shaved head. They were concerned that he wasn't blue. And if that wasn't enough, there were some people that felt like, wait a minute, shouldn't Genie be played by someone of you know Arab descent? And I mean, like you mean like Robin Williams? So. I don't know. <laughs> Kevin, what is that? What is what? You don't, you don't you guys don't hear that? I don't I don't hear anything. What are you talking about? It sounds like this incredible wind. Anyone heard that? Is that just like you mean like the sound of somebody breathing? Is that someone breathing? Yeah. I think I think that might be like Sherry's like hitting the her breath hitting the mic or something. Am I? Okay, now I stop. Excellent. Okay, yeah, I, I just couldn't hear anybody. Okay. Oh, God, now. Oh, my God. This is a test show. This is a test show. Yeah, there was a... This <laughs> is a test show. <laughs> All right. Okay, um, so, so Kevin, so, um, yeah, about the fact also that, that some people were, even though it's Will Smith, some people were saying that, that they thought that, that they thought Will Smith was an odd choice. Uh, to play the genie, especially in this production, which could have been a, a great time to highlight uh, this particular, particular culture, um, which Aladdin would take place in. Well, the funny thing is, I felt bad for the guy whose name I can't remember who won the uh, Tony Award for playing uh, genie in the musical version. Uh, and I believe this is a musical version as well, isn't it? Um, does anybody know anything about that? The the live action version. The there's a guy who won a Tony for doing it on Broadway, and he was also an African American. Uh, so I don't know. It's on the same continent, so why not? <laughs> And uh, let's remember that Guy Ritchie's directing this movie. So so that has a lot of people curious because I've never seen Guy Ritchie do, like, uh, cute and cuddly or, like, you know, like, fluffy. He usually does, like, funny and edgy. I was going to say lock, stock, and two smoking camels. <laughs> well, I can't wait to see it, and I feel totally comfortable with Will Smith being the genie. Oh yeah, looks, and, and, I think and, he looks good with the ponytail. And they are going to do CGI. He will be blue, people. So relax. The genie will be blue. Blue. <laughs> I'll have a blue genie next Christmas. Okay. All right. So. <laughs> so, what's so that's next? yeah. So that that wraps up our um, trailer talk for today. So Sherry, what we have on next? All right. So we're gonna talk about what happened on Thursday. On Thursday, Trump. President Trump threatened to shut down the government if he doesn't get funding to build a wall on our border with Mexico. And as if that wasn't enough, breaking news on Thursday, Defense Secretary James Mattis resigned or was fired, depending on who you ask, because of his disagreement with the president withdrawing troops from Syria. What the what? Wow. Now, now, these are two different stories, but they are. But I, I still feel like they're, they're quite related. Um, 
as far as the, as far as far as the border wall, uh, I'm not sure if you guys saw the video that was making its rounds of Nancy Pelosi and um, Chuck Schumer um, having a very I would call it argument discussion with the president or, or with the cameras on. Absolutely, and, and they both kind of tricked them into saying that I'm shutting down the government because I don't get my wall. And it just he just seemed so immature in that video, and and it just showed that basically this is a person who cannot be um who who can, who cannot be uh what's the word that i'm looking for reason with yes <laughs> by by any means and um even though i i saw that um there were republicans um trying trying to to cut through this and actually pass a, a t- temporary fix for this that he's not well he's not willing to give an inch so well, i find but, very but, disturbing well what's even worse is he he initially said that he was going to sign the temporary fix so people could have a holiday and we could and they could deal with this in the next year mm-hmm. but what happened was Rush Limbaugh called him um, I, I don't think I need to describe who Rush Limbaugh is for the listeners. I think that they know who he is, a right, right-wing uh, radio personality. And Laura Ingram basically read him on Fox News, which is his Bible. And so that made him change his mind and say, and say that he's going to uh, uh, shut down the government if he doesn't get the funding for his wall. And the funny thing is, is in his mind or in the minds of these people that are the puppet masters of him, they think that they have some kind of leverage over Nancy Pelosi. But the leverage, the crazy thing that that shows how inane this man is, there's only one kind of leverage when it comes to sitting down the government. The leverage is the people being up who they're going to people are going to be mad at and believe are, are is responsible for shutting down the government. We have video they can play in a never ending loop of Trump going like, yes, it is the Trump shutdown. If, and if you don't do what I say, I'll shut the government down. So that he can't now go and like, well, this is Nancy Pelosi's fault. And then she'll go like, play the clip. And so, so <laughs> there's, he has nothing to bargain with. Yes, the government will be shut down, and people will be mad. But when they when they get upset, all she has and and they go like, "Well, Nancy Pelosi," and she'll say, "Play the clip." And so her hands are clean. So and, this is all on him. And there's also um also another another facet of another uh, I would say another facet of the story is the fact that there were actually people. Um, it was trending on Twitter that they actually started a GoFundMe and it's called We the People Will Fund the Wall. And it's the goal of the GoFundMe is a billion dollars. And right now it's up to thirteen million five hundred. And people what? want to fund this wall. Yeah, over thirteen million okay, dollars have a, been pledged. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Are these the people of Mexico? Because according to Trump, <laughs> Mexico's gonna pay for it. So are the people of Mexico uh, adding into this GoFundMe to pay for it? That it, it's working out, I guess. <laughs> the people in Mexico, no. These are these are Americans <laughs> paying for this wall, and it's sad because if it, it just shows you how I really feel, the people who are paying, who the people who put thirteen million dollars towards this GoFundMe, um, they're also a victim to some point because I really feel that uh, this presidency has really put people on edge and it's made them combative. It's, that money should they should be raising money so we can solve this whole migration situation that we spoke about before with those children. Uh, at the border, not to build a wall. And the other thing, Kevin, that I'm glad you threw that in there is that when when Trump campaigned, he said that Mexico would pay for the wall. And now he's trying to get us, the American people, to pay for the wall. So I don't know what to believe at this point. Well, what I can't understand is, and this goes back to even when he was running for president, 
the idea that little old racist ladies were sending their uh, social security checks to him to help fund his campaign. This is a person who can't stop bragging about how incredibly rich they are. Mm -hmm. And the idea that somebody who's shopping at Walmart is sending money to a GoFundMe page to help build a wall that their their savior in chief uh who's a billionaire why doesn't trump pay for it himself why is he asking for us to give a nickel to pay for this absolutely great question all right so now as far as now the other part of the story um secretary of defense um resigning or or being fired um the, basically, they're saying that the, the decision makes. There's a lot of things that they say divide the causes, but they say the, the the straw that broke the camel's back is that uh, President Trump has actually decided to take all troops out of Syria, and this seems to be a, a decision that he came to by himself, without really talking to anyone. And yeah, why? why yeah, why would you talk to the people who are actually generals and who've been in the military all their lives? Why would you talk to them? That would make too much sense. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. And the, and the icing on the cake of this incredibly inane decision is who's the one person who's cool with this decision, who thinks it's a good idea? Vladimir Putin. Vladimir Putin <laughs> said that he thought, he, yeah, it's great, great. So, yeah, nobody in our government is liking this decision, but Vladimir Putin says, and he, he said, I agree with Donald. Not, not I agree with the American president. I agree with Donald. Donald. Was his was his response to this because uh, many people are saying that. Uh, God, I'm actually talking like Trump. Many people are saying. Anyway, the idea is <laughs> <laughs> the Russians want to get their mitts and control that particular part of the world. So he, they could not be more thrilled. Vladimir Putin personally could not be more thrilled. And this goes to one of my personal rules: if when certain kinds of people are on the side of something and, and you realize that they're on that side, it means you're on the wrong side. side. So mm-hmm. if I'm, if I, if I'm going to, if I'm going to a, a bakery and it's like filled with Nazis, like this is the wrong bakery for me. I need to go yes. to another bakery. <laughs> so when Vladimir Putin agrees with your decision on what to do with the military, it's the wrong decision. Yeah. All right. So, uh, what's the next story? Do we move on to Friday, or we have another? We are on to Friday. All right. So, what is going on on Friday? On Friday, U.S. Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg was trending on Twitter because she had a cancerous growth removed from her lung. The court says post-surgery there was no evidence of any remaining disease other than um, other than family and friends. Is there anyone in America whose health matters more than Ruth Bader's Ruth Bader Ginsburg's does right now? I can't think of anybody who I'm more concerned about. And actually, I, that's a, above family and friends, honestly. I, whenever I see she's trending on Twitter, I need to be checked into a hospital because my heart skips several beats. I can't breathe until I'm like, oh, is she okay? she okay? It's really sad, Kevin, but I have this mental – I'm sure a lot of people have the same thing because I've seen people co- comment on this. I have a group of people in my head who, for some reason, whenever I see their name on Twitter, I think they, that something horrible, tragic has happened, and I rush to see, are they okay? Um, 
So I, I'm glad to, to see that the the oh, worst. Oh, you know who else is on my? I have a, mm-hmm. I have a list of that those people in my head. The number one on that list, uh, I should say, number two after Ruth Bader Ginsburg is Betty White. Whenever I see Betty White's image is trending, like oh my god, oh no. my god, yes. We only have one golden girl left. God, leave her alone. <laughs> hey. Kevin, could you quickly explain why um, you are so concerned about Ruth, Gator, Ruth, Ruth Bader Ginsburg's health? <laughs> For those of us who don't know. Okay, she's a Supreme Court justice, and, and the president has the ability to choose successors. So people, when you get appointed to the Supreme Court, you are on the Supreme Court for life or when you decide to resign. And so uh, the court has a balance to it. Uh, it's, it's nine people. And right now the balance is overwhelmingly uh, conservative. And as of now, with Judge Kavanaugh being appointed, many people are concerned that Roe v. Wade will be overturned, and a lot of all other civil liberties uh, uh, are in danger because of uh, how, uh, to the right, the court swings. So if Ruth Bader Ginsburg were to die while Trump was, or any other Republican was still president, then not only would those rights be in danger, but the court could be stacked and... Um, Things could be very dark uh, for a lot of groups of people uh, for the foreseeable future. So that's why her her basically living to another presidency that is uh, potentially a Democrat is very important to a lot of people. It's, at least it is for me. And so I am living for Ruth Bader Ginsburg uh to to make it she's got to hold on till 2020 and we've got to put somebody in there who's not a lunatic to pick her successor so let's <laughs> so let's keep hope alive people right so women basically could lose the right to choose what they want to do with their body as one thing that might happen if we lose her yeah so she's holding the line that's one of the reasons why she's hanging on because i think that she wanted to have and this is just this is all conjecture on my part i believe because a lot of people thought she should have resigned while barack obama was still president but i believe that it was important to her being a lifelong feminist to have her successor be chosen by the first female president and oh what a wonderful world it would be if that would have been able to happen mm-hmm. but it didn't and you can't take chances Ruth so you should have resigned <laughs> while, while Barack was still president and you would have had a successor chosen by the first black president which is close but no cigar but right. now we're all hanging on a heart attack that you basically you better make it to 2020 make it girl thank and you the- for that explanation and I was I'm just gonna add bars, and I'm sending her some herbal teas. I'm sending her some uh uh acai uh, acai berry. What are, how do you pronounce that? Acai Asiego? Acai 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 berries. Yo, we need to send her all the antioxidants she can get. <laughs> <laughs> I'm wrapping her in bubble wrap. You live, girl. You live. Okay, Kevin. To switch gears, I w- I think we're going to talk about favorite things. Oh, I can't believe this is the this is the end of the episode. And here on this brand new podcast, last weekly, we like to end things on a positive note. So, um, I'd like to ask both of you, what was your favorite thing uh, about the week? Co-host well- Sherry, what was your favorite thing about this past week? 
Sure. Uh, my favorite thing about this past week is um, the Christmas spirit that is everywhere and all around people are going out of their way to be extra kind to each other um, being in the grocery store and someone will pay for the person behind them I just I love that spirit I wish it would continue throughout the year but I'm bathing in it and this week it has been extremely wonderful so that's my favorite thing oh that is absolutely sweet that is so sweet yeah oh uh, even though the weather really outside sweet is as well delightful. But you know what? On this podcast, it's so delightful. Delightful. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Tone. What was your favorite thing about the past week? Well, my favorite thing this past week, for those of you who follow me on YouTube, um, the Tone All Show. All of us do. All you, of us. You, you better. The Tone Show exclusively, uh, not exclusively, but right now I'm, I'm covering Van Helsing. I do reviews of uh, Van Helsing on Sci-Fi, that Sci-Fi show. And Van Helsing was renewed for a fourth season. So not only did I and everybody who's into Van Helsing just blow up on Twitter with joy, um, the cast actually at me uh, a few times this week. And it was really cool to have that interaction with the cast of Van Helsing. So um, congratulations to you, Helsingers. We've been renewed. That is huge. That is huge to get that shout out. So congratulations they, to you, Tone. That is amazing. Well, thank you. So, yeah, Senpai they, noticed you. There <laughs> <laughs> Wow, I expect Kevin to zing me, not you. <laughs> and I was trying to congratulate you on being recognized by the by the cast members of the show. They they realize the power of the tone show. Yes, Kevin, thank you. Kevin, yeah. what about you? What are you excited about this week? All right. Well, there were there were a few contenders that uh, came in just under the wire that were pretty impressive. Uh, the Kardashian and Jenner sisters announced that they will not be shutting. They they'll be shutting down their apps in 2019. So that was close. Wow. But it didn't make it. Another one was the fact that uh, Trump uh, hashtag Trump resign has been number one on Twitter all day long. All day long. So wow. that was close, too. <laughs> that almost made the cut. But I have to say, my favorite thing about this week was doing the very first episode of Last Weekly with my two incredible co-hosts. I could not be more excited about talking about the events of the week with you guys each and every Friday. Kevin, you are such a suck-up. That sucks. <laughs> The suck up! Wow. <laughs> you put him. You put him you know on. You put his business out there. And it, you know what's so great is that this is the last show that Tony's going to be a part of. We were so excited <laughs> to have you on our first show. And we wish you well <laughs> in your future endeavors. But Terry and I will be ghosting you. <laughs> wow. And on that note, I guess it's time for us to say goodbye. <laughs> Okay, would either of you like to say goodbye? <laughs> goodbye. <laughs> goodbye. <laughs> All right, week. everyone. <laughs> Thank you for joining us for our very first episode of Last Weekly. Join us each and every week as we review the events of the past week because the weekend doesn't start until we say so. Good night. Bye.